Hi, this is Stephen Ambrose, Senior Pastor at Wapak Naz. I want to welcome you to the Wapak Naz podcast. We hope and pray that this message goes deep into your DNA, is encouraging, relevant to your life, a means for you to engage with God and experience His love, and moves you to impact your world. We at Wapak Naz believe firmly that you matter to God. We are glad that you are taking the risk to engage with Him today. Wapak Naz is love people loving people to Jesus, and it takes people to partner with us to be on mission and bring this message to our community, the region, and the world. If you would like to financially partner with Wapak Naz to love people to Jesus, join us by going to our website at wapaknaz.org and becoming a financial partner. We thank you, we pray for you, we love you, and enjoy the message. So we continue this week. Um, let me make an adjustment here. We continue this week in our series, This Changes Everything. And uh, man, last week we talked about the ascension of Christ. Uh, the previous week we talked about how resurrection changes everything. This week uh, we're going to dive right in uh, to Pentecost. So first let me ask that you repeat after me. Three. Three. All right, let's do it in unison, man. Three. Three. Three days. Jesus Christ was crucified dead and buried and on the third day three he rose from the dead we say 40 three and 40 40 days jesus in bodily form resurrected form taught and talked and ate and communicated and communed with his disciples those 11 as well as the many many others that he knew that followed him for 40 days bodily resurrected and on the 40th day Jesus Christ kind of did this wonderful astronaut trick Um, wasn't really a trick it was really happened he ascended to the right hand of the father sitting in power and sovereignty that's what ascension is Jesus Christ completed the resurrection because the resurrection has two aspects the bodily resurrection and the ascension of Jesus Christ and that ascension of him coming and sitting at the right hand of the father completed the resurrection and he sits in power and he's sovereign he rules will you say 10 there you go. Ten days later. So 340, 40 plus 10 is 50. Say 50. Ten days later, which is 50 days after the resurrection, is Pentecost. And that is where we're going to sit today. Pentecost changes everything. Because that is the moment, 50 days after the resurrection, that is the moment God's Spirit, His promised gift, the promised Holy Spirit, came down as the active agent and dwelled in humanity in you and me and if you have chosen Jesus Christ if you have given your life over to Christ his Holy Spirit God's Spirit dwells inside of you he has set up camp he's put a tent up in your heart in your inner being and he's there and you now are a living temple of God Pentecost changes everything. So I would ask if you would open up the scriptures. You can pull out your phone, pull out your scroll, whatever you have. Open up the scriptures to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. And we're going to read 
some moments before Pentecost, and we're going to read into Pentecost. Acts chapter 1, 12 through 15, and then we're going to jump over to Acts chapter 2, 1 through 13. 12 through 15 is following that moment of ascension. Astronaut Jesus, he's gone. He's not coming back until he comes for the second coming, and now they're supposed to wait. And so we hear at verse 12, then they... They returned to Jerusalem, all those that witnessed the ascension. They returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day walk, not very far from the city. When they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. Notice the plural pronoun. They, 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 all of them together. Those present were Peter, John, James, and Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, and Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas, the son of James, not Iscariot. They all joined together constantly in prayer along with the women. There were a lot of Marys in that that list of women. Salome was also there. And then Mary, the mother of Jesus. And lo and behold, and with his brothers, those brothers that Jesus grew up with who actually thought Jesus was out of his mind who actually tried to pull him away from his work who didn't believe in him his brothers now are a part of the group resurrection changes everything doesn't it wait for it chapter 2 verse 1 when the day of Pentecost came 10 days after the ascension 50 days after his resurrection when the day of pentecost came they were all together in one place suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were the physical place they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. Not only did the Spirit fill the place, but the Spirit filled their hearts and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each, of, each one heard them speaking in his own language. Utterly amazed, they asked, are not all these men who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in his own native tongue? Parthians, Midis, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judah, Cappadocia, Pontus, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and all the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we heard them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said they had too much wine. They were drunk. Heavenly Father, Pentecost does change everything. We ask that the scriptures that we, we read this morning clue us in to what Pentecost and the Holy Spirit does in our life how it does change everything. Tune us in. Help us learn. And help us apply it to our life. We ask these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. This 
is a moment of unification. You might have just gone past all those, those places where those people are from, from Pontus, from Egypt, from Cappadocia, from all those places I don't even know how to pronounce. But they're all converged on the city of Jerusalem for a feast, for a festival called Pentecost. And this moment is a true reversal of when God dispersed all the people. It's a true reversal of Genesis chapter 11 when he scattered all the people among the earth, divided their tongues. He brought them together. What we must understand is this moment is the moment that has been prepared and prophesied all the way from the Old Testament. This is the moment that was promised, that Jesus said, I want you to wait here for the promised gift of the Holy Spirit. This has been moving and shaping the scriptures and the people of God all the way from the beginning of Adam and Eve. This is the moment that things change. When I met my wife in 2009, it was one of those, this changes everything kind of moments because I was literally packed up and ready to go to the West Coast. But when I met her, I was like, wait a second, this, this is a little bit different. And so I prayed, Lord, you got to help me see her from your angle because I don't want to waste her time and I don't want her um, to, to waste mine. We're, we're already in our 20, late 20s and early 30s. We know what we want. We want to make sure that this is right. And so I prayed and I prayed for weeks. We just started dating. And she invited me to the Christmas party for the district where I met my future boss. But that night I embarrassed her to death. I was loud, I was obnoxious, pretty much like I am now. And after I dropped her off, I was heading out the door and I looked over my shoulder. And that was the moment. Hairs literally on the back of my neck. And I knew, I knew she was my wife. That was a moment that changed everything in my life. This is a moment that changes everything in our life, in the life of humanity. This is a moment that was, they were waiting for. The teacher was outside of them the whole time. But now this is the moment the teacher comes inside of us, who moves us who moves us because God himself is on the move. Our God is a dynamic God. He's not a static God. In church, you and I should not be static. We should always be moving in the direction of him, in the direction of the mission. And that is why the Holy Spirit came. So today, I want to keep it simple. I want this to become more teach than preach because we got to learn some of these things. Why does Pentecost change everything? Why? What does it matter? Why does this moment that seems really confusing in chapter two of Acts make a world of difference for you and I in the 21st century? Why does it make a world of difference when we're battling sin and temptation? 
Why does it make a difference when we're trying to reach our community with the love of Jesus Christ in very simple, practical ways? Why does it even make a difference in our marriages, in our relationships with, with our kids, with our friends, and with our neighbors? Why? Why does this change everything? Hopefully, by the end of this morning, we'll learn why it changes and how it changes everything. So, rather than the PPP that we have been talking about for the last year, there's like eight of them. P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P. Presence, prayer, poor, pure, power, peace, and people. Resurrection, Pentecost, changes everything. First, why? Presence. Because in Jeremiah chapter 31, 33, it said, this, the time is coming when I will make a new covenant. Jesus Christ is the new covenant. It will be not like the covenant made with their forefathers. I will put the law in their minds and write it in their hearts. Pentecost. The Holy Spirit now comes and dwells within you. If you were a parent and you just want your kids to do whatever you want them to do, you have to instruct them, right? But you're always outside of them. I sat at the table with my sister last night talking about my nephew and my niece who are now in their early to mid-20s. My niece is about to get married in September. My nephew is about ready to buy a house for the first time. Oh my goodness. Freaking me out. He's still that little, little eighth grader. Still that little eighth grader. But she looked at me and she said, parenting is harder when they're adults. You think parenting's harder now when they're little kids or they're in junior high? She said, it's really hard because now I have to trust that they're going to make the right decisions. And she's not with them. She's not with them. Yes, they come to the table and talk and ask her opinions and my brother-in-law's opinions, but they're not with them anymore. They're out on their own. They can't move them into the direction that they think they ought to go. The Holy Spirit sets up camp inside of you. God himself, Yahweh, sets up camp inside of you and moves you in the direction of him. Ezekiel chapter 36 says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from your heart a stone and give you a heart of flesh, tender, willing, and I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees. The presence of God is now inside of you. Jesus, who is God with us, that we celebrate at Christmas, at the ascension, now is God has left us to go to the right hand of the Father. But he knows, he knows the importance of God inside of us. If you are a believer and follower of Jesus Christ, you need to be reminded of this truth that God is inside of you. Not in this new age term. Not all of us have a God inside of us. No. The creator of the universe, the one who spoke all things into existence, 
the one who sent his son for the surrender and sacrifice for all of humanity. He literally dwells in you. And that resurrection power is in you. We should rejoice at this moment. This is a beautiful moment. And now God can move on your heart in such a way that he can move you into his direction and away from the sinful nature. That you can now commune with the creator of the universe wherever you go. It's not just here on Sundays. It's not just at the temple. It's not just at the synagogue. It's wherever you go. Now where you go, the kingdom of God goes with you. And you have immediate access to God himself because the disciples in that holding pattern church, that 10 days, they were praying, they were seeking, but they were waiting. Folks, you don't need to type in and look for the tracking number and the shipping number for God. He's right there. You can now commune with him wherever you are. And we must understand that because of Pentecost, the presence of God is in us, but the only access to the presence of God is through prayer. If you notice the scripture, when they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. They all joined together constantly in prayer. And in chapter two, as they were praying, that's when the Holy Spirit came in a violent manner, like a mighty wind, filled the room and filled the people. Folks, prayer precedes the presence of God. I've heard many times people say, we believe in the power of prayer. I think that's a little backwards. I think that's a little off. It kind of makes sense, but it's a little off because prayer is literally getting into the presence of God. And that is what makes prayer powerful, the presence of God. And prayer precedes his presence. Prayer precedes his pouring. Folks, if we aren't praying, if we aren't asking God to move on our own behalf, if we are not praying just to just be in the presence of God, we're going to miss it. You're going to miss it. This church is going to miss it. This community is going to miss it. It's literally connecting with our creator. It is the line of communication, and it is our communion with the Father through the Spirit. And if we look at all these moments in Scripture, prayer results in the pouring. Prayer absolutely results in the pouring of God's presence in his people through his spirit. Acts chapter 2, verse 4. It says, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. Right? We just read that story. But when we continue to go through the book of Acts, and we go through the early church, we find that in Acts chapter 4, verse 31, Peter and John were released from prison. Why? Why were they put in prison? Because they were speaking the word of God boldly. And when they were released from prison and they rejoined the church, they said, hey guys, we got a story for you. And they celebrated. But how did they celebrate? They celebrated with praise and they celebrated with prayer. 
And in this moment, they prayed that God would boldly enable them to boldly speak the word of God. And when you ask a dangerous prayer like that, God answers a dangerous prayer like that. And in that moment, it says, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. He answered the prayer to speak the word of God boldly. But we have to have the Holy Spirit in our lives to fill us to speak the word boldly. This is a common theme throughout the early church. That is, Holy Spirit filled his people. On and on and on it says, they chose seven men from among uh, you who are known to be full of the Holy Spirit, full of the Spirit and wisdom. And who did they choose? One of them was Stephen. Great name. I, you know, great name. You know, if, if, if you're going to have a girl, you can say Stephanie. That would be even cooler too. They chose Stephen, a man full of not only faith, but of the Holy Spirit. And in his death, when he was being stoned, it said of him, of yes, Stephen, the crown one, that he was full of the Holy Spirit. We continue, Barnabas, who was a team player with Saul, who was an early church planter. He said he was a good man. He not only gave, he not only sold his property, but gave those funds to the church, but it said that he was full of the Holy Spirit. Then Saul, who was known as Paul, this Christian killer, this persecutor, who was out to defeat the church, to pull the legs out from underneath the church and the movement. This man had a true encounter with the living God. And it describes him as full of the Holy Spirit. And the disciples, they were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Folks, we need the Holy Spirit. Paul himself said, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, this isn't like when my brother, when I was a kid, he would like come up to me and hit me on my forehead and said, be healed. It's not at all what he's talking about. Be filled with the Holy Spirit, meaning that you have an ongoing, continually, always filling, that you are full to the brim, that there is no, left, no room left for anything else, that this is a constant. It's not just here on Sunday. Folks, we believe here at Wapaknaz that knowing God is more than Sunday morning. If this is your only experience with the Lord God Almighty, you're missing it, and you're missing out. You're missing out for the goodness of God that he has for you, for his presence and his freshness and his encouragement, especially in the times where you just feel so lost. He wants an ongoing, always, continually filling of your vessel, of your flesh, of your spirit with himself. Paul relied on the Holy Spirit to do the works that he was called to do. So, we need his presence. And in order for his presence to be poured out, we've got to ask for it. Even Jesus himself said this. 
If you, then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. He says, how much more will your Father in heaven give you the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? We gotta ask. We gotta ask. We need more of him in our life. Almost every Wednesday night in every life group, Eugene Fisher says, I just need more of God. I need more of him. He's 86 years old. And he says, I need more of him. If that were the prayer of us, that's a prayer that God's going to answer. That is a prayer and a request that he's going to answer. But, since God wants more for you, he demands more from you, right? If God wants more for you, he's going to demand more from you. There's no question about it. And so, the next P, it's pure. One of the works of the Holy Spirit is to purify you. When I go hiking, I take, this is a water bottle, this is not what it is. It's about the size of what I take. It's called a Sawyer Mini. I've used it here on a Sunday morning before. That Sawyer Mini is about this size, a little bit smaller in, in, in the cylindrical size, but it's lightweight, and all I need to do is push water from a river through that Sawyer Mini, and I have purified water. That Sawyer Mini can actually purify up to 100,000 gallons of water. I've had it for two and a half, three years, and it still works fine. Take care of it, it works through it. I am able to sustain myself with water through a Sawyer Mini on my journey and my trek in the mountains. The Holy Spirit, one of the things that he does is to purify us, to make us more like Christ, more like God. Because God himself is not only fully love, folks. We love that. That sounds wonderful. But God also is fully holy all at the same time. And we often ignore that. Because when we talk about holiness, we have to deal with sin. We have to deal with our own impurities. Because sin, when it comes in contact with holiness, it is a, an explosive reaction. When sin comes in contact with grace, or with, with love, God's full love, the reaction is grace. The only way that we can come to God through that is through Jesus Christ. But we still are connected to a holy God, even through Jesus Christ. Meaning we have to deal with the things of our life. We have to deal with our sin. There's a battle that goes on within us. Paul lays this out in Galatians chapter 5. He says, so I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. Those things of the flesh, those things that are opposite of the, of the Lord our God. That's the sinful nature. There's original and personal. Original sin passed all the way down from Adam. And then there's the personal sin. We have the propensity for personal sin. Uh, actually walking in the different direction of God, although knowing what he's called us for. 
what he's called us to and what he's called us to not do. There's this opposing action that happens inside of us. And Paul lays it out clear. Even in Romans, he says, you know, I know what I want to do, and I I don't want to do what I don't want to do, and I want to do what I'm supposed to do, but I have this conflict. How many of you are confused sometimes when it comes to that? We have this conflict and this battle within us. But Paul lays it out, and he says this, for the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit. You have in you the propensity to desire what is opposite of what God wants for you. All of us do. Whether you know the Lord or not, you have that propensity. And I can guarantee you, in the last seven days, I've probably chosen in that direction. And all of us in this room have probably chosen the same thing. We are at conflict sometimes. But the Spirit, the Spirit desires what is contrary to the sinful nature. They're in conflict with each other so that you do not, that you do, so that you do not do what you want. I have to read that slowly. Sorry. Wow. I like to get ahead of myself. Like I said, I was really obnoxious that night. But then he says, but if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. The Holy Spirit does a work in our life to move us in the direction of the Lord. There's this washing that happens. Paul says to Titus, he says, but when the kindness and and the love of God, our Savior, appeared, he saved us. That's a glorious thing. That's salvation. Not because of the righteous things that we have done. We get this confused. We're not saved by what we do. We're saved by what was done on the cross by Jesus Christ and choosing that. Giving our life to him because he's already done it. But because of his, great, his mercy, he saved us through, watch what it says, the washing of rebirth and the renewal by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit does this purifying work in your life whom he poured out on us generously. Jesus said, he'll he'll give it to you. He'll give you the Holy Spirit if you just ask. So folks, we have an issue. And it's sin. This is not the greatest representation, but it'll work for the day, right? The ping pong balls in the jar or in the vase, our sin. If you ever wonder why we may have a misconnection with our creator, one of the obvious things that we have to check in our life is sin, right? What God desires to do in our life is pour himself out, right? He wants to pour his presence in our life and I use water because the Holy Spirit himself is coexistent pre-existent co-equal and cooperative with God the Father and Jesus Christ the Son the Holy Spirit has always existed has never not existed and will always exist he was present at creation and if you look on the very end of chapter 22 in the Bible you will see that the Spirit and the Bride say come All those who are thirsty. God the Father, Jesus Christ the Son, and the Holy Spirit, 
They're all the same. Three in one, triune God. We follow one God who's in three. It does get confusing, but probably the best way I've been able to describe this is through water because water itself has three forms. But the makeup of water is the same. H, two, two hydrogens, one oxygen. The three forms are liquid, solid, and vapor. Right? Jesus Christ himself is the living water. But what God wants to do is pour his presence into our life. And when we come to him, we're not all clean. We come with baggage and all. That's good. You don't clean yourself up to come to God. You just come. You say, here I am, God. Right? So as he pours his presence into our life, hopefully what will happen is the sin will begin to move out of our life and he continually pours himself in. This got a lot messier than I thought it would. There you go. There you go. That's all right. But he continually wants to pour himself into our life and overflow to purify us, to remove those impurities in our life. And if I had more containers full of water, I'd just continue to pour and we'd have a mess on the carpet more than we have now. God desires to do that in your life. He says that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. He desires that we should be sanctified. If you ever wondered what the will of God is for your life, congratulations. Here's one of the wills for God, for the will of God in your life, that you should be sanctified. That's a big word that means pure, that means clean, that means holy. Paul says, may the God himself, may God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you, purify you, cleanse you, make you holy through and through. Not just a piece of you, but all of you. Your job, how you work at your job is the same person when you go into the market, is the same person when you come to church, through and through to be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's a sneak peek to next week, the second coming, because he's coming back. You better be ready. Because just as he who, is, who called us is holy, calls us to be holy in all we do through the sanctifying work of the Spirit. It is the Holy Spirit that does that. Folks, this is not a behavior modification plan. You don't just put a rubber band around your wrist and, and flick it. It's not, it's, it's, not, it's not any of these newfangled apps to get you to not eat this and not eat that, to not be angry here and not be hatred there. The thing that changes humanity is the Holy Spirit in the human heart that we become transformed into Christ's likeness to look like him 
power and peace. Presence, power, poor, pure, peace. Folks, we've often thought that sin in our life, we, we try to work it through our own effort. But the Holy Spirit himself is power, that we overflow with power in our life. He is power, and he empowers us to choose differently. If we focus on the sin all the time and not focus on the Spirit, we're missing it. He overflows in our life and empowers us because Scripture actually tells us that God did not give you or me a spirit of fear, timidity. He actually gave you a spirit of power. For those of us that deal with anxiety, those of us that are dealing with porn, those of us that are dealing with addictions, God has given you power. Those of us that are dealing with self-worth, lack of identity, God has given you power because he's in you. You have the ability to choose and be empowered by the Spirit to choose differently. Think differently. Live differently. Not by your own effort, but with the work of the Holy Spirit and you choosing certain things, pulling people into your, your situations, to your grief, to your loneliness, to your addiction, you can be free. You can be free. Because the kingdom of God, this isn't cheap talk, folks. It isn't cheap talk. The kingdom of God is a matter of power. Praise the Lord for that. Praise the Lord for that. You are empowered believers in Christ. The church is not to be weak. In fact, when Jesus said, on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail, he literally means to go to the gates of hell and plunder hell. Now that is not a picture of weakness. That is a picture of empowerment. Not human effort, but Holy Spirit effort. Somebody has some powerful lungs in that fellowship hall. Wow, awesome. They're praising God, I'm sure. So, but one of the greatest weapons is not the power that we receive one of, the, one of the greatest weapons that we yield as followers of Jesus Christ is the peace that comes. A true warrior is a man, woman, teenager, junior higher who is a person of peace. And notice how Paul says it. Do not be anxious about anything. A lot easier said than done. But in everything, by prayer and petition, Prayer. He says it there. Prayer. Present your requests to God. And 
Watch what follows. The peace of God will guard your hearts and your minds. We are warriors who fight with a different weapon. We do not wage war as the world does. We defeat strongholds, demolish them through prayer and through the peace of God in our life, empowered and enabled by the Holy Spirit. He is the forgotten God who should not be forgotten any longer. Even Paul, he said this to the Ephesian church, the people, for this reason I kneel, notice the language, I kneel, prayer, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth uh, derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. Power and peace are really connected. They go together and they're linked together. And so today, presence, prayer, poor, pure, power, peace, and people. Folks, I said on the front end, God is a dynamic God. He's always on the move. And movements of God are manifested in people. People. I'm pretty sure we don't have any androids in here. You're all people with flesh and blood, soul, spirit, mind. Movements of God are manifested in people. Why? Because he wants to reconnect people to his presence. And who does he use to do that? His Holy Spirit and you, your people. We are on mission with the Lord by his Spirit, empowered, enabled, equipped, purified, transformed, filled with peace. Why? to move people in the direction of God. To reconnect. And guess what? You can't reconnect someone to something you're not connected to. Let me say it again. You cannot reconnect someone to someone you're not connected to. If you're not seeking his heart, that's the first thing you need to do. Because it's all about loved people loving people to Jesus by His Spirit. So this morning I'd ask that you stand, bow your head for a moment. And if there's any one of those areas, His presence, purity, prayer, power, peace, whatever P words you can come up with. If there's any of those areas that you just are lacking, I'd ask that you speak and communicate with the Holy Spirit right now with your heads bowed. And you ask him to fill you with himself.
Heavenly Father, we thank you that you sent your Son. But we also want to say thank you, Lord Jesus, for ascending to the right hand of the Father that you may send the Holy Spirit into our life, the active agent in this world, the one who goes before, the one who walks with, who comes behind, who lives within us. You now are not only God for us, you now are not only God with us, you are God within us. And that is a miracle in and of itself the greatest miracle that can happen. It's not physical healing. It's God living inside of man. Father, we need more resurrections than we need healings. We need more infilling of your Holy Spirit in our life. We need more purity than anything else. So Father, where we are today you've already been speaking through your word today and through your presence we invite you to do the works that you desire in our life and that these works be game changers for us Holy Spirit Will you melt us? Will you mold us? Will you shape us? Will you make us? Will you use us? Will you purify us? Will you sanctify? Will you empower us? Will you convict us and convince us of sin? Will you renew us? may we just enjoy your presence and your peace. I thank you, Father. We ask these things in your name, Jesus. Amen. Folks, we love you. And we appreciate you. May you love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength. And we please love your neighbor as yourself. Be empowered this week. Have a wonderful, wonderful Sunday. Thank you for listening to the Wapaknas podcast. We hope you are moved deeply to step into God and the hope and future He has for you, and that you are moved to be salt, light, and yeast in your community and to love people to Jesus.